Welcome, you're listening to Minorities Be Heard with Glorica Cortez, where we'll be hearing stories of struggles, joy, and unique experiences minorities go through. This is where we'll make your voice heard. Hello, and welcome back, everyone. So today's topic is a little bit unique, and it's a little bit different than how I have done it in the past few episodes, because this one is actually an anonymous letter from one of my listeners. And I'm really excited to actually talk about this. I did some research in order to maybe have some more insight for you guys. Dear Glorica, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your podcast, which I truly love listening to. Thank you for doing such an amazing job. Now, I write you this letter to share very private, like bedroom private secret I have. It's a secret not because I want to, but it's just one of those things people don't talk about or even avoid talking about. I can't finish sexually. I can't reach an orgasm. I don't know why or how, but what I know is that a few percent of women have this problem. Sadly, I'm one of them. It's a topic that is not talked about. One, because some people will just say you're just with the wrong person or you just aren't touching the right spot. Second, it's just you'll be objectified by people who know about it like it's a challenge for them to prove themselves better than the other. And lastly, it's embarrassing to admit. It's hard to explain to people that you can still be satisfied without reaching an orgasm. It's frustrating for both me and my partner. The partner feels like they're not doing as well as they think or I'm not enjoying what they're doing, though I am, but I just can't orgasm. This makes me feel like crap because I don't want them to feel that way. And sometimes it just ends up frustrating us both just as much. I did a few researches about this and learned that a few women experience the same thing and it is not as rare. It's nice to know that I am not alone because it proves that it is more normal than I thought and I am not a total freak. I have only been with four people including my current partner. I'm not a very sexual person either. And as I am realizing it now, it is also possible that this is why I have had a hard time in the past getting more comfortable in the bedroom. With that said, it's okay to not orgasm as long as you enjoy the act. There are a few support groups online for women who are experiencing this or not experiencing, although I haven't joined one myself. Thank you for giving my letter some time. I really appreciate it. Please continue doing an awesome job with your podcast. Can't wait to hear more from you. Okay, well, first of all, thank you so much for this letter. I honestly really appreciate this because I am really hoping to get more of these. I know that there are a lot of people out there that want to share their story, but they're scared and they don't know how to. This is how you can do it. It teaches people a lot. Honestly, I had no idea this was actually something that women go through until I heard about it. Then I researched it. Then I learned that there are actually a lot of women out there that suffer in silence because nobody really talks about this. Okay, so after I got this letter, I decided to do some research on my own. According to Healthline.com, this is actually known as orgasmic dysfunction or an orgasmic or female woman orgasmic disorder, which is described as having difficulty reaching orgasm. And it's actually something that happens to men as well, but it's a lot less common for them, which I am also assuming that they talk about it even less than we do. And orgasm is described here as intense feelings of release during sexual stimulation and they can vary in intensity, duration, and frequency. 
Orgasms can occur with little sexual stimulation, but sometimes much more stimulation is necessary. And it says that there's an 11 to 41% of women that actually have some form of orgasmic dysfunction, which I found really interesting because that is quite a big number. And it makes me think that I've probably met, known, or even become friends with somebody that had this dysfunction and we've never talked about it, which is the reason that I'm doing this podcast because I believe that issues like this should be talked about more so that people are more comfortable and so that there is a lot more research so that we can find maybe some help. Like I said, I hadn't heard of this till this person. And if it hadn't been for them, I wouldn't have researched it and I wouldn't have realized how many people out there actually have this and don't even talk about it because of the stigma behind it and because it's such a taboo topic. You know what I mean? What are the possible causes of orgasmic dysfunction? So it can be either one or a mix of any of these. It could be older age, medical conditions such as diabetes, a history of gynecological surgery such as hysterectomy, the use of certain medications, cultural or religious beliefs, shyness, guilt about enjoying sexual activities, history of sexual abuse, mental health conditions such as depression or anxiety, stress, poor self-esteem, or relationship issues such as unresolved conflict or lack of trust. The inability to orgasm can also lead to distress which may make it even harder to achieve orgasm in the future. So that might be also something that could be cycling this effect. The inability to have reached that point already in your life might be preventing from reaching that point again or Ever. So what are the symptoms of orgasmic dysfunction? Here I learned that there's not just one category that you might fit into. My listener fit into one specific one that might not be yours. So maybe if you struggle with this but didn't know that there is a term for it or that there's other people that suffer through this, this might be a little bit of help for you. So primary anorgasmia is a condition in which you've never had an orgasm, which is the one that my listener fits into. Secondary anorgasmia is difficulty reaching orgasm even though you've had one before. So that's a little bit different because you you do know what it feels like, so you don't have to question it. You know that you've had it, but you just cannot reach that point again. Situational anorgasmia, which is the most common type of orgasmic dysfunction. And it occurs when you can only orgasm during specific situations, such as during oral sex or masturbation. General anorgasmia. And an ability to achieve orgasm under any circumstances, even when you're highly aroused and sexual stimulation is sufficient. Okay, I suppose this one and the first one are similar. But the first one, I think it just means that maybe you still have the ability to orgasm. You just haven't reached that point because you haven't learned how to. And then maybe, I'm not sure if my listener fits into that one or into the last one because they haven't gone to the doctor yet. But the last one is just that you've done everything possible to just reach that point. You've learned everything that you've needed to learn. You've gone to the doctor, you've done it all, and you just cannot finish. And that might be you, which is also okay. Which is the whole point of this podcast. That whatever category you fit into, it's important for you to know that it's okay. That it's not weird. That you're not a freak. That there's nothing wrong with you. That it's just something that different people have to deal with. And unfortunately, it's a smaller percentage. And you fit into a minority. But it still doesn't make you alone. There's a lot of women in this world that go through this. But feel like there's a lot less than there are. So how is this diagnosed? So maybe you're saying right now, oh, I have 
have that. I fit into that. But you haven't actually been diagnosed. You haven't gone to the doctor. You haven't, you've just been too scared to maybe talk about it with anyone, including your doctor. And maybe this is the first time that you even hear that somebody else has even ever gone through the same thing as you. So if you think you have orgasmic dysfunction, you should schedule an appointment with your doctor. Your doctor will be able to diagnose your condition and provide proper treatment plan. During your appointment, it says on healthline.com that your doctor will ask questions about your sexual history and perform a physical examination. Your responses and exam results can reveal any underlying causes of orgasmic dysfunction and can help identify other factors that may be contributing to your condition. And your doctor may refer you to a gynecologist for a follow-up exam. So how do you treat it? You may need to treat any underlying medical conditions or switch into antidepressant medications or have cognitive behavioral therapy, increase clitoral stimulation during masturbation and sexual intercourse. And last but not least, you can also go to couples counseling or even just for sex counseling. And in some cases, estrogen hormone therapy may be used. There are a lot of other options for you to do, which you can also look up yourself, which I definitely recommend because if you didn't know about this, you might not know about the possible help that you could actually be having right now, which I'm really hoping that my listener goes to the doctor and maybe get some help, whether it's her reaching an orgasm someday or finally resting assured knowing that she's just never going to reach that point and that maybe she can accept it and be comfortable with it as well as her partner and not put any more pressure into trying to reach something that's never going to happen and then just enjoy the ride pun intended so as i proceeded my research i came out to cosmopolitan.com and i found a lot of what they had to say pretty interesting so they did a survey that was published in april 2015 And it said that 8% of women between the ages of 25 and 29 reported having never had an orgasm, compared to 16% of 18 to 24-year-olds. So there's a lot of women out there that just don't really know what they're doing. And there's not a lot of help out there for us to know what we're doing because nobody talks about this. Nobody teaches us how to explore our bodies. This is another point that this page also had there's still a lot we don't know. The lack of research on the matter could be partly to blame. It says here, doctors are like, is it life-threatening? And since it's not, physicians don't always have the answers women women are looking for, and that's why women turn to Cosmo. Unfortunately, this research takes a lot of money and a lot of time. Time and money that some doctors might rather use on research that will earn them more widespread recognition and have a wider impact on the world. And that is very unfortunate for us women. Another point that they had is that, no, not every woman who can't orgasm feels like it's the end of the world. Unfortunately, I also found out that a lot of women fake it for a lot of different reasons. On that page, it said that 67% of respondents in the April survey admitted to having faked an orgasm. Of these women, 97% did it to spare their partner's feelings, to end sex more quickly or both. One last point that I saw on this page that I actually really liked that I want to share with you is that you can have control. A lot of women out there think that orgasms are like sneezing. Your body just inherently knows how to do it and it just does it without any intervention. But Maureen says orgasms is like a skill. It's something that you have to learn. You have to practice. You have to figure out how to work it. If you're having a hard time orgasm, it's definitely not that anything is wrong with you or that you'll never be able to orgasm. It's just that you have to give yourself the opportunity to learn. Although I'll clear that up again. It's okay if you can't actually orgasm. This is more specific for the people that can't orgasm, but maybe they still have the possibility to. 
I just want to make sure that you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I don't want to downplay what my listener told me because it's very possible that they just will not be able to finish ever. And I think that's okay for them. What I want is for them to be comfortable being themselves and being able to talk about this someday more publicly and not have to send an anonymous letter like this. But that's the point of this podcast. I want the anonymous letters. I want you guys to share those intimate things that you're so scared about sharing so that one day it won't have to be anonymous anymore. Okay, so now I want to I want to keep talking about the female orgasm. But when I was still looking this up, I found out webmd.com some information about it. For one, it said that 10% of women have never had an orgasm with either a partner or during masturbation. Okay, so this percentage is the women that fall in the category that just haven't reached an orgasm yet and the women that just will never reach one. It's a smaller percentage, but it's still quite a big percent. But what caught my interest was that on the same page, when it was talking about this problem, it started giving out tips on how to orgasm. And it talked about tensing up and relaxing, but also winding down, etc. And then it came upon this website called omgyes.com. You might have heard of it like I did a while ago. Emma Watson was in an interview, I believe it was, and she actually talked about this website. It intrigued me, but I never really truly looked into it until right now that I was intrigued by this topic. So I came up on this website called mamamia.com of a lady that was doing a review about this website. And I found it really interesting. They were very graphic and specific about how it all works. So the way that they did it was that they interviewed or did a research with about 2,000 women from 18-year-old to 95-year-old and found 12 techniques that help your orgasms last longer and become more satisfying. I haven't tried this website myself, but I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to sign up for this after I finish this podcast. Because when I read this review, it was really intriguing the way that it works. You just pay one time, you get modules, you work with the videos. It's not sexual. It's not pornographic. It's scientific. It's research. It's women teaching you and talking about the things that we just aren't comfortable talking with our friends. It's a stranger teaching you a technique that maybe your mother wasn't able to teach you or maybe your friends have never talked to you about. I find this really amazing and I think more women should try this. In the review, she mentions that there are 12 modules containing 62 short videos and 11 touchable videos. I would like to conclude this by letting you guys know that I do know who my listener is. However, I will make every effort that I can to keep my anonymous listeners as anonymous as possible. I will never reveal your name. I will never tell anyone who you are, not even in person or my close friends. I will always keep it anonymous even if I stop doing my podcast. I need to make sure that my listeners trust me and that they know that it is a safe place for you to share. And lastly, because I do know my listener, I was able to send them a message back and ask them a few more questions so I could provide a bit more information, which is also why I knew that they still haven't gone to the doctor because they hadn't provided that information yet in the letter. And I feel like it's something very important. Okay, so I make it a point to always share about myself as well so that you guys are comfortable sharing with me as well. So many of you know that I was a Christian and I recently, maybe three or four years ago, was probably when I... I realized that I no longer was and I started to explore more about myself and eventually I got to where I am which is identifying as a pansexual woman. However, before this, 
I only believed that I could be with men, meaning that my only experience I had up to that point was men. When I had my first girl-to-girl experience, I thought I knew what I was doing until I realized I didn't know what I was doing. A lot of people don't tell you that what feels good for one person doesn't feel the same for another person and it was very difficult for me because I knew my body very well and I thought that I knew what I was doing. However, I decided to do some research and I even watched YouTube videos, I read articles, I talked to my partner, and I realized that with more communication, with more knowledge and realizing that's a little bit more complex than people let you know it actually is. And it's made a huge difference for me. I have learned so much with just as much with experiencing and adventuring and discovering in the bedroom, just as much as I have on the internet. So don't be scared to Google things. Don't be scared to look it up. Don't be scared to watch videos although I wouldn't really recommend getting ideas from porn that wouldn't be your best place to go but you never know it could also be a very good stimulant for you I'm not totally against it I believe that people can get addicted just like they can get addicted to many things and there are a lot of problems behind pornography which I have also learned and honestly I used to be super 100% against porn But I've also done my research and I've learned that with moderation, there are a lot of things that just end up being okay as long as you just don't take it too far. So that's my recommendation and that is all for today. Thank you, folks.